Thanks for downloading this podcast from Brum Radio. For more programs, search our podcast page at brumradio.com. Before we begin today's Screen Brum Show, we have a public service announcement. This is a warning for all those listeners of a romantic disposition, those who are already preparing a tender Valentine's dinner for their sweethearts, possibly whilst listening to Barry White. Today's programme may not be for you. Our theme today is Anti-Valentines, the films to make you fall out of love. We'll be talking breakups, misery and the appeal of the single life. So if you're all about the hearts and flowers, you might find this hard going. But hey, romance is overrated, right? Oh, this is the most romantic day of my whole life. This is the story we're going to tell our grandchildren. Barbara and Oliver Rose. Wait a minute, wait, 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 what's your name? Barbara! They met great. And I love rain. God, I love it too. They agreed on that. Are you happy? I'm more than happy. I'm married. The house is so beautiful. And we live here. House, car, boy, girl, puppy, kitty. The poor has never had a chance. Your crystal is lovely. Back around. I didn't know anything about this before I met Oliver. <laughs> My mother bought her glasses at the AMP, you know, the kind with the raised. It always starts with the little things. And that phony laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, all right, yeah. maybe overdid it. Let me have it. If love is blind, now I got you. marriage is like having a stroke. <laughs> when I watch you eat. When I look at you lately, I just want to smash your face in. Smash my face. I want a divorce. You can't have one. When a couple starts keeping score, there is no winning. It's only degrees of losing. I am the one who found this house. I bought everything in it with my money. It's a lot easier to spend than it is to make it, honey bun. You might not have made it enough for me, sweet cakes. Never underestimate her as an adversary. Don't even talk to her. Gum. Filth. The yellow areas are mine. The red areas are hers. This seems rational to you both. I got more square footage. These people are going to hurt each other. Get out of the car, hon. When trouble begins, it comes at you from directions you'd never expect. We haven't passed any point of no return. I have Have the warning, okay, everyone? Don't say you weren't warned. Today's show is all about anti-Valentines. We're not going to be talking hearts and flowers. We're not going to be talking um, walks in the rain, holding hands. Or we might be. But we're going to be talking about the slightly more 
slightly sadder side of those things because you are listening to the Screen Brum show here on Brum Radio. Screen Brum is a show where we take things with a screen and we've all been, you know, like you, we've grown up with these things. We've grown up with films and TV and computer games and they've shaped our view of the world. They've shaped our view more than anything, perhaps, of love and romance. And because of that, we're all are all completely damaged individuals that can't manage relationships. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> the point I am making is we're going to be talking about, well, you know, the theme today is anti-Valentine's films, perhaps to fall out of love too. And we would love to hear what you think about these, these types of films. Which ones? I mean, it's an interesting subject. We've all have our different views on what constitutes one of these films. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. So if you would like to join in, we would love to hear from you. We really would love to hear on at Screen Brum if you're on Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, no fear. You can email us, info at screenbrum.co.uk. My name is Blake Woodham here of the Screen Brum Show, but I am not the only person. I'm not a singleton today. I do have two partners um, in uh, Mr. Tim Wilson and also Lucy Beth. Hello to you both. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Lucy. She's already she's already correcting me, you see. This relationship's <laughs> yeah. not going to work. Uh, and good morning, Tim. Afternoon. Hello. Hello, Tim. <laughs> now, this was Tim's idea, this this um, this theme. And I remember you, you, it was thought, oh, that's a great idea. We can we can have a lot of fun with this. We can talk about anti-Valentines. Um, but I have to admit, during the week, Tim, as, as I've been researching this and thinking about it, it's, it's brought me down quite a bit. It's it's a it's it's quite a dark it's quite a dark area once you start <laughs> start yeah. thinking about these films. There is no there is no two people more able to hurt each other than people who are previously in love. You know, it's the most it's the most agonising uh, agonising thing to yeah. watch. So I mean, I will start actually by talking about the film Blue Valentine. It won't be in my five, but it is nothing else juxtaposes this idea of um, showing how two people can fall in love and fall out of love in the same film like that one and so brutally and so brutally yeah it, and it's that it's that juxtap it's that context and that juxtaposition of love and falling out of love there's actually many other themes as well there's a lot of there's brutality there's murder there are psycho psychopathic people there are psychopathic love love angles there are lots of things that can really stoke the fire of anti-valentine's sentiment yeah. and my, my main reason for doing this i should say is not that i'm against valentine's day per se i just think you should be in love with your person 365 days a year uh, and that's my uh, i am an incurable romantic your, your soppiness so, is your so, soppiness is, is eating uh, away our theme already bringing this bringing this uh, subject is a way of crashing everything down to earth in a rather, um, yeah, hard and dark. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. yeah. So this is not this is not the show to tune into if you if you're currently preparing a a delicious meal for your loved one on Valentine's Day, or maybe it is. Maybe it will make you appreciate what you have mm. more. And also, I, what I should say is, we're interested in those films. It's not just about you know the misery of love <laughs> we're also interested in the joy of being single you know that's a that's a thing to be celebrated and there are films um that do that as well celebrate you know the art of of singlehood so let's not be too negative interesting right? you say that the joy of being single is an, an anti a term of anti-valentine's i don't know 
oh, you know, it's, it's what I'm saying is, is that don't, you know, just because you're not sitting alone, because you're not sitting across the a table with a candle in front of you on Valentine's Day, that, that there's something the matter. I actually met my, my partner on Valentine's Day on a blind date, which we neither of us realized it was Valentine's Day. And then so we went there and it was just couples everywhere we went and, and then us having met for the first time it was quite an, I'd say inauspicious because it felt quite awkward but we're still together sort of 20 years later so it's worked out reasonably well, well. Um, I say 20 years it's not 20 years so if my actual partner is listening I'm not talking about someone else um, I've, it's slightly less than 20 years anyway there you are it just shows that I'm panicking Ooh, breathe <laughs> oh my goodness so um, so do do tweet us now the other thing that I'd like to do is um, I am well known and disliked for uh, quizzes. No quizzes. These two. I do have a quiz. And the reason I want to ask it now is because I'd like the answer to come from you, the audience. So, Hooray, that's if, more like it. If you're on, if you're on, well, I'm going to ask it of these two, but I want, it's, it's it maybe a matter of opinion. So what I'm going to do is we're going to put a poll up on Twitter. And if you're on Twitter, go on and vote um, which of these two answers is the correct one and we'll reveal it at the end so if you're following us on twitter that's at screen brum so are you guys ready for the question never tim is it, not, is, it, is, it is it going to be is it really going to be yes a yes or a no answer it's there's two answers two so possible you know how answers. the public are when it comes to yes and no answers. yeah well yeah. you can we can phrase it in different ways but okay here is the question okay it's a film related question oh that's film related that's good okay. sort of yeah is romantic love a a beautiful, precious thing that gives life an extra frisson of purpose and the ability to truly connect with another person. You're putting that in Twitter poll. Or You're writing that. Down. Have you got enough characters for that? Yeah, um, we might have to might have to paraphrase. Frison. So, is is romantic love uh, a, a precious, beautiful thing, or that's better? Is romantic love a creation of a cynical cabal of rom-com makers and florists to trick people into thinking they feel things? That they don't. Oh, you cynical. That's, that's very so cynical. What, so which of those would you say is true? The first one. The first one. Absolutely. It's Beautiful Hearts and Flowers, Lucy. Is it a rom-com a plot? Both. A bit a, of a both. A bit of both. Well, that's not the kind of answer we want. <laughs> we want to know definitively, is, well, is love real or is it There's two fake? different aspects, isn't it? So there's the, the, the love that is... More is more of an experience, and then there's the projection of romance that's sold to us and <laughs> through the it, movies. Yes, it's and making me want to get onto really my anti Valentine's pick straight away. Yeah, it's really quite damaging. There's so many people who hold out for something that mm. doesn't exist, and mm. um, because that they've eaten up all these like all Julie, like it, Julie Delpy on the train. Well, you can't hold out for that. Well, exactly. Well, the good thing about Julie Delphi on the train, and of course Tim's talking about uh, before sunrise here, <laughs> is that uh, Richard Linklater has made three of those films, and we have seen their relationship go through different stages. And I think yeah. there are anti Valentine's elements in those films. Well, particularly the last one, where right. where we see them just tearing into each other, having been together a long time, and they've got all of the you know the excitement and the and the and the thrill of that initial love has gone, and we have a different kind of relationship between them. I can't remember which one the third one's called. Before, before midnight, midnight. Um, and that is a hard watch. So, um, oh, I would have said actually that my, in the previous show that we abandoned for, due to technical issues. Yes, we had a flood here in the studio, listeners, and that is why we were cut off last. We time. got into Apologies. Blake's Ark. 
Yes, yeah. we did. <laughs> we did. We, we actually we need it today as well. That's um, right, yeah. It is, it is appropriately uh, grim I, weather today, isn't it? I was going to say that my number one speech, because you know you were talking, uh, your, someone tweeted in about the lack of female representation. Mm. My number one speech was Celine's speech from before sunset in the car. Oh, is that before sunset is the... It, one is set in Paris. The second one. The second one. Ah. Well... About, about basically her monologue about how, it, how she's felt for the last... Uh, well, finding him in a in a in a Parisian bookshop and the mm. impact that it's had on her, it's brought it all back up in a big way. <gasps> I was going to recite some of the speech with the swear words li- left out. And well, let's uh, let's have to just imagine Tim's Julie Delphi impression for a while. I'm um, not going to talk French no or anything idea. like that because she's got kind of an American thing in there as yeah. well. That's not an easy one to impersonate. Um, let's uh, let's play some music and let's um, see if we can get some contributions. So we are looking for you on Twitter to let us know, is romantic love a beautiful true thing or is it a cynical manipulation? Uh. Or is, as Lucy rather boringly pointed out, some combination of the two. Um, and Tim has mentioned a Blue Valentine there, so let's play some music from that. Um, this is um, it's, it's from the, the, the soundtrack to Blue Valentine and the track is Easier and the artist is Grizzly Bear. Good on, Grizzly Bear. It's greatness. Oh, that's great, isn't it? That soundtrack there from uh, Grizzly Bear from the film uh, Blue Valentine. I should have mentioned earlier on that, the, obviously, you, I'm sure you knew the trailer at the beginning. We played at the beginning of the show there is from War of the Roses, which is Danny DeVito directed and starred Catherine Turner and um, I've forgotten his name now. Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas, of course, um, as a feuding couple. One thing I learned uh, today was that in Germany, apparently, um, War of the Roses, a, a, a War of the Roses in German, uh, is now uh, is now a term used for an acrimonious divorce that come from the film, um, but the, it's, it's so widely used that everyone says, "Oh, it's a War of the Roses," but no one actually there necessarily knows it's from the film. So there you go. That is art influencing life there. Um, And as we said there, we played a track from um, uh, Blue Valentine. And Blue Valentine is going to be one of my choices. I'm going to have to uh, quickly perhaps rearrange my choices. But I do want to talk a little bit about the film, if I may, for those of you that haven't seen it. This is a film from 2010. Director Bar- uh, do it as a uh, debut, I think, was it? De- um, Derek, no, it wasn't, Jean France. Um, p- probably got that completely wrong on the pronunciation. Apologies. Um, and I can say it's a film I personally loved and will never, ever see again. Um, because it was grim. <laughs> um, what it does, um, you know, it shows a marriage uh, in, in, well, at the point of destruction, but it does so... Um, by flipping through time, it flips through different time periods. We don't see it in this linear way, and that's a really interesting device. It's one of these things where we know where it's going, but we're watching how, and and there's just something sort of particularly agonising about watching that. Um, particularly for a parent, I would say, there's a scene in there which absolutely destroyed me when I saw it. It's one of the saddest things I've ever seen in the cinema. Michelle Williams and Ryan Gosling. It's also got Ryan Gosling singing in it as well, I believe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, I've heard some people say that one of the th- th- problems they've got with this film is it's not quite clear why this couple are uh, breaking up and, and why you know what it is that's gone wrong in their relationship. But I think that's kind of the the point as well because I think that's what happens. You know, relationships do go sour. You don't 
you know, you can't always identify a particular thing. Sometimes, you know, there is an event or as a thing, but people just, you know, things just go wrong and no one quite knows why. And no one wants them to go wrong. Um, and that's what's so painful in this situation where we're watching this relationship with these two people and we know how much they love each other, know how much they mean to each other. And it's just sort of going wrong. So um, that's the, <laughs> the first cheery uh, thing I'm going to talk about today. Blue Valentine. Um, I'm... You, you, uh, you're a fan as well? Yeah, it's a fantastic film. Like you, I've seen it, and then I've not had the guts to put myself through it again. I l looked at it several times on my shelf yesterday, thinking, oh, I should watch that in prep for tomorrow. I just couldn't bring myself to put it in the player. It's, um, I will watch it again at some point, because it is such a great film. Yeah. And there's so many memorable scenes in it. But, oh, it's hard work. It is, it is. Uh, and Tim, you've already mentioned it, I take it you're a fan. Yeah, it's one that would never come off the shelf on my DVD rack <laughs> if I had it on DVD. Yeah, it's just, it's just uh, hard going. So there you go. Are you a fan of it? Let us know out there on Twitter. We have had some responses already on our rather cynical question as to whether love is... It's a profound question, uh, mate. It is, um, it is a um, cynical... Well, it's a profound question. Um, Sardonicus, um, the name, Hello. As the name <laughs> suggests, um, <laughs> um, has described it as cynical. Um, and uh, Feathers and Wings. Hello, Feathers and Wings. Wings. We are very, very happy to have you with us, one of our regular listeners, and we really enjoy hearing from them. Um, it's very happy being alone. I'm getting a lot of crackle here. Is it me? Am I anyone else hearing it? Let us know if you're hearing any crackle. It's just my headphones. It might be me. Um, stay still. It's usually always me. Stay still. I'm usually the cause of all the noises in this room. Um, Feathers and Wings is very happy being alone, uh, in, the, in the love sense, um, because Feathers and Wings have Andy the Budgie, and they love him, and he loves them condition unconditionally. And that's nice, isn't it? That's really lovely. That's lovely. Um, and um, Carl Josbury, who um, is uh, is familiar, Lucy is familiar with in real life, has tweeted in that the loves of your life are listening. That's your cat's whisper and Kit Kat. Oh, getting a lot of crap. See, I didn't even touch anything. Okay. Um, so, um, uh, Lucy, would you like to start us off with your... Sorry, everyone. We're getting a bit of crack. I'm not quite sure what's going on. I do apologise, everyone. We're going to have to play a little bit of music uh, and then try and, and try and get some technical sorties. Apologies, everyone, but you do get to listen to some more music, and you will you will hear Lucy again shortly. Right, hopefully we're not crackling anymore. Apologies, Evan, for that one. What you did hear there, however, rather than us crackling, was It's Only a Paper Moon uh, by the fantastic Ella Fitzgerald, and that is taken from the soundtrack to... The Breakup. Not seen that one. I think it's got um, a couple who were a real couple at the time, which is Vince Vaughn and uh, Jennifer Aniston, um, which I think is always just asking for trouble. If you make a film together about a, a separation, it could, you know. Yeah, well, I'm not one to tempt fate, let's face it. So, apologies, I'm everyone. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> exactly. Um, apologies. Well, look, you know, when I, uh, I, I put on Twitter here, we're going to do breakups. I worried that people on Twitter might think that we've, we're breaking up and we're no longer going to be doing this show. So don't worry, everyone. You should see some of the arguments that go on behind the, the scenes here, man. Tim is, Tim is throwing things a lot. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's just a fiery relationship, that's what we say. Throwing, throwing things that won't cause any... Damage. Exactly, just 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 some of the the Spun, foam, the foam stuff. Foam yeah, stuff. We yeah. have a lot of that in the studio. Anyway, anyway, um, before uh, our crackles, Lucy was just about to tell us about her 
anti-romantic yes, I'm sorry, film. I think it was me. It was no. it was your microphone. I, I think I think I might have caught my foot in something. No, oh, maybe the mic yeah. is is worried about the anti-Valentine's nature of your. Yeah. Pick. So yes. so you were you were just about to go into a film. Sorry. Yes, um, going straight in with one of my top five films of all time, with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless <sighs> Mind. Oh, so good. So yeah, I, I actually suspected you might pick yeah. this. It's, it's in my list. So it's in my list. You know, when I when I started describing. Anyway, go ahead. No, it's never going to be a surprise that I'll pick this. Really, um, and I'll, I'll pick it for pretty much any subject <laughs> it can be squeezed into. Um, it, it's just well, um, Michel Gondry. He's prime. He, he's made it an art form, not just. Uh, a narrative, and it, it's got the most wonderful performances. Jim Carrey is incredible. He's uh, one of my top actors anyway. Um, I lo- I've loved watching his progression from kind of out-and-out silliness through to this brooding, tangible kind of... You can feel him through the screen. It's yeah. not... You can... You could almost reach out and touch him more hug him, as I'd rather do. Um, <laughs> and it, it's really relatable, because I think everyone's had that thought that they wish they could erase someone so, and so those forget of you about that, them entirely. I haven't seen that. That's what, exactly what happens. He, he, yeah. he has a, a painful... Uh, break up and he wants to forget he wants to and, and there's some scientist offers him this literally yeah. this thing where he can wipe his brain and forget about the existence of uh, well Kate Winslet yes yeah um, Clementine mm, and then we see their relationship through through his memories fading don't we well sort of it, it's um, a mix of memories and him realising during the process that he doesn't really want this to happen and he begins engaging in the process and this version of Clementine that he's imagining through it and they start trying to save their memories and their relationship throughout the, the, the process of um, them being forgotten. So he's engaging with the memories and with her, even though she's not actively there and she's already gone through the process herself Mm, she's forgotten him yes um and it comes to this point where it's questioning is that really a good thing and don't you grow from that and at the end it could be seen as this lovely romantic thing that they refind each other and they're going to see if they can re-remember or re-experience the this relationship that was so up and down throughout mm. it and quite volatile at times um and in a way that's kind of romantic <laughs> but in another way it, it's really sad because they've just kind of doomed themselves to Mm. going reliving these traumatic experiences Mm. because they've forgotten everything they learned from it. So they're just going to go through the same patterns again. And there's there's something really sad. Well, that's that's also, you know, we've all, you know, that's also quite a common thing in life. You don't have to have your mind wiped to feel like, 
you've gone through cycles of relationships where you've gone and, and you've made the same mistakes mm. um, again and you've 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 got in relationships with people and it's but maybe this is just me <laughs> I like to point out and I'm, hap I'm happy at the moment Tim what do you think it's a top 20 film in my ultimate mm. list of ever I wouldn't I don't know if I would ever have considered it and I wrote it down and I thought is this an anti-Valentine's film because the film title suggests the issues here are of the mind and the conflict between the mind and the heart yeah. it's the heart is the yeah. thing that endures and that's the thing that causes the ultimate pain but that is also about love I don't want to get too intellectual here, but the idea is it's kind of like um, it flips a love story, turns it upside down, makes it, reverses it, doesn't it? Kind mm. of messes with timeline. Again, well, and and exactly in that way the same that Conquery does. Yeah. Um, and, but I, I will still argue that it's a romantic film and a romance film. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. I think it's, it's, an, it's an interpretation, whether I would call it an anti-Valentine's film or a Valentine's film. And partly because I am always so caught up in the, um, in the mechanics of Gondry and, mm. in, and in all the kind of um, loopy nature in which he does things. I'm going to be mentioning another Gondry film in a minute. Um, but, uh, yeah. Oh, that's why I kept it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I can totally see why you would see it anti-Valentine's as well, because of the, the tragedy, I guess, that lies at the heart of the film. Mm. And there are subplots as well within the film that cover infidelity and people being um, in unrequited loving cycles. And um, it looks beautiful as well. Oh, so it really does, it's yeah. beautiful, yeah. kind of surreal shots and you know this image visual image visual yeah. images of the memories kind of crumbling and disappearing yeah. is fantastic and a, a lot of it as well is in this kind of cool color scale mm. which makes gives it this edge of sadness mm. as well yeah Oh, I'm feeling, I'm not sure how I'm going to go on for the next hour and a half here. I'm already feeling quite emotional. Um, let's, uh, <laughs> let's leave that one for a moment. And Tim, would you like to give us one of your choices now? Yeah, my, my first pick is uh, Jim John Mish's Broken Flowers. Um, <gasps> this, uh, is, this is with Bill your Murray. man Bill Murray. Yeah. Um, the story of the, f the film, Bill Murray plays a middle-aged man called Don Johnston. <laughs> uh, that's he, brilliant, actually. He, that's brilliant, because that never happens in films, is it? <laughs> People have never got names that are like someone else no. or something. And that, that's actually a brilliant he, uh, thing. He, well, in, in one of um, Bruce Willis's um, action films, he plays a character called Thomas Hardy. But apart from that, I've never seen it before. Carry on. Well, you know, um, yeah, I can think of... Um, Colin Firth playing Darcy, you know, as a mm. play on his Pride and yeah, Prejudice. Yeah, but that's more known. But anyway, yeah, sorry, yeah. carry on. Um, he, uh, the, start, the film starts with him um, splitting up with uh, Julie Delpy. Yeah, she's back again. Um, and he receives a letter uh, telling, them the, telling him that he has a son looking for him um, from one of his ex-girlfriends. And so he, um, he's, sitting in, he's sitting looking quite forlorn with life. That's putting it mildly. He dresses in this black tracksuit, which has a few uh, colourful flourishes. You know, kind of reflect just the, just what he's wearing reflects his uh, kind of end of the tether kind of mentality. Uh, and then he goes, decides to go on a road trip, basically to reconnect with all of his old flames, right? And the the, the film plays as a series of acts where he meets each of his ex-girlfriends to often very hilarious effects. So, um, you know, he meets with Sharon Stone, Tilda Swinton, Jessica Lange, 
Francis Conroy. And these are all, you know, women in their 40s. They're all exes and they're all living lives. Some of them really quirky and off the wall, but they're living lives and doing far more than he is doing. Um, he, the thing that makes this film um, very anti-Valentine's is it, it, yes, it's a film about middle age, but not in the way that Sideways would, would do in middle age, where, you know, where I think, or about Schmidt, you know, where Alexander Payne would poke quite hard fun or, you know, really quite play, play, you know, play against that middle age stereotype. I think Bill Murray, they kind of, we have a sympathy and a, and a, and a love for his character. He, because, in a sense, the reason why Bill Murray is so good in this film is that he, he plays the film impassive the whole way through. And yet, yeah. in, through that impassive quality, and only Bill Murray can do this, you actually can encompass all the emotions. There's no other one. I don't think there's another guy who can do that, really. Um, and but also, the other thing that's really important, um, this is a film about isolation. This is about a guy who's actually really alone. Yeah. So he ma every 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 encounter with one of his ex-girlfriends feels like a full encounter and feels like a real um, sort of uh, bringing up to date, you know, the, the loss of losing losing an ex-girlfriend and actually why he would never get back to, we're together with them either. There's this one encounter with Francis Conroy where he uh, she invites him out on a date providing his hus her husband can come with her as well <laughs> <laughs> we've really all had dates like that <laughs> um or um you know um sharon stone's uh, character um encounters sharon stone and then um sharon stone's daughter lolita comes in completely naked and starts to provoke chill bill murray that's another you know, um, another case of extremely on the nose uh, character naming <laughs> yeah it's very good um so it's um, it's very lenient in its way it's shot in that kind of very sort of uh, whimsical way that Jim Jarmusch can do it. Um, and, but the film kind of brings brings to it brings to a close a scene that I'm not going to give away. But the f it's it either translates as a scene of he's actually having a scene of an epiphany at the end, and it's regarding his son or not, uh, or a scene of absolute the end of the tether desolation depending on which way you view it. Um, and I think he also, everywhere he goes, he sees pink, pink clothes, pink walls, pink visiting cars, pink petrol tank on a motorcycle, and he gets nowhere. He's trying to, he's trying, I think he's, he, near he sees Peter, you know, he sees a pink backpack, and, you know, he's trying to assuming it's his son. It's like, it's like, either it's a pink as an effeminate, uh, an attack of the, the women that he's lost, or it's pink because he's looking for his son. There's lots of symbolism in the film. Um, but yeah, it's a man at the end of his tether. It's about alienation and it's very funny and very sad. Um, so that's my number, whatever. It's oh, my first pick. Anyway. That's a great choice. I, I saw it when it came out. I haven't seen it since and it's making me want to, to see it again. And I oh think yeah, and Jeffrey Wright is that taxi driver. Jeffrey he's Wright. So funny. Isn't he the next door neighbour trying to write a novel or something? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that repetitive music when he's in the taxi. You know, every time he's going, yeah, there's that, there's that theme. It kind of, um, there's a theme um, that's played every time he goes on the next adventure. So, you know, the, the, everything is really... It is very episodic, isn't episodic, it? Episodic, yes, yeah, a series of episodes, yeah. Have you seen it, Lucy? I haven't, oh. no, which I'm very ashamed of because yeah. I, I love Jim Jarmusch's work yeah. and Bill Murray. So I don't know why I haven't. Yeah. It's one of those gaps in my... Well, on Valentine's Day, now there's, there's the opportunity to sit down and watch all these films. Can I mention also, I'm really looking forward to um, Jim Jarmusch's next film. Oh, it's going to be This incredible. is a zombie movie, isn't it? He's yeah. making a zombie yeah. movie yeah, but, with, know, with Adam Driver. Adam Driver, Tom Tilda Swinton, Bill Murray, Steve Buscemi, Selena Gomez, <laughs> Chloe Savini and, and Tom Waits. And do not forget Caleb Landry-Jones. 
and mm. do not forget. Yeah, I mean, you forget, you know, he. I really loved Only Lovers Left Alive. Mm. You know, Which is so a vampire he, one. He's done vampires, so I think he'll do a really good... I'm, I'm just curious to see what his take on zombies is going to be like. Mm. If it's anything like Only Lovers Left Alive, it's going to be great. So, uh, Fantastic. Yes, The Dead Don't Die. I didn't even get the name of the title, did I? Did, the Dead Don't Die. The Dead Don't Die. That's, that trips off the tongue. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play some more music now before we get into some other chances, uh, other counts. Um, and this one is going to be dedicated to Lucy because um, you chose this one and I think you would um, throw things at me if I didn't play it. So um, would you like to introduce Beck from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Oh, yes. Go on, Thank then. Thank you. I'll introduce it. <laughs> yeah, the name of the song. Is everybody's got a everyone? Okay, this is one. Everyone's got to learn sometime. Um, let's have a listen to this. It's beautiful. We are giving you the full, almost six minutes of that, Lucy. So um, you'd never get that on commercial radio. <laughs> exactly. Um, so um, thank you. That was Beck. Um, everyone's, everybody's got to learn sometime from the soundtrack to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Which we, is were just, um, we were just talking about um, useful bits of information. You said that the toilets here, at where we where we are, have an interesting message. <laughs> yes, it, well, it's very appropriate for us today. It just says, uh, on, the, on the handle, it says, depress and let go. Which, you know, that's all our relationships we're talking about today. Depress and you let go. You know that toilets contain messages about life. Well, if you look out, there, there, is, there is wisdom everywhere. Anyway, anyway, we're talking about wisdom on screen, and we've only got through one Top each. five toilet films. <laughs> that's, a, that's another show we're not definitely not getting into. Brain spotting. Um, now, there's so many, um, there's so many uh, of these films to choose from because it's quite a vague um, term. But I'm going to ask. I'm going to bring up another one here, another of my anti-romantic or anti-Valentine's um, film. Uh, Look back in anger, 1959s. Look back in anger, directed by Tony Richardson. That's an interesting choice. Written I by get. John Osborne with Nigel Neal, um, and um, it is, of course, um, the peerless Richard Burton. Uh, and it's the it's oh yes, can't do his voice. No, don't don't try. Um, it's the film that um, that kicked off the um, uh, the kind of kitchen sink um, kind of drama kind of genre. Really, it's a marriage going through the ringer. Um, it's about class warfare. It's about battle of the sexes. It's about um, lots of things. It's it's. Richard Burton also, of course, with Elizabeth Taylor in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which is another film about a kind of marriage in, in, in crisis and, and battling and, and the, the sort of capacity for, for people who are in love to hurt each other. Um, I, I just think it's brilliant. I think it's like you're watching a marriage in trouble and that it's, that it's painful for that. Um, the other thing, and this is a, this is a point that I'm going to get perhaps a little bit um, pretentious, uh, who, me, um, it's set in the Midlands, right? Uh, well, you wouldn't know that, but it is set in the Midlands, which is, of course, where we are here in the heart of the Midlands, in the, in the English Midlands. Now, another film which I could have chosen, which is an utterly brilliant uh, film and utterly, utterly unsentimental about romance and love, is Saturday Night and Sunday Morning. Yes. Um, Saturday Night and Sunday Morning, fantastic, fantastic book, fantastic novel, also a uh, film, also... Um, uh, Tony Richardson, he produced that one, 1960, very much the same time. Um, it's unsentimental about love and relationships. Two of these films together, brilliant double bill if you want to sort of, you know, 
go through the ringer, both sit in the Midlands, right? And I wonder if this is a symbolic location, a perfect place for marital strife. You know, somewhere in the middle, you know, we're not at the beginning, we're not at the end, right? It's the middle. The, yeah, am I am I reading too much in? I'm just getting blank stares all around. Anyway, let us know what you think at Screen Brum. So that's my choice. Look back in anger, not to be mistaken for the annoying Oasis song of a similar name, which I know is going around your heads now. Admit it. Admit it. So anyway, um, Lucy, Tim, thoughts? Seen it? A long time ago, um, I went through a phase of throwing myself into kitchen sink and that style of drama. And I, I know I watched it as yeah. part of that, but it's so when we play the, the it's a lot of jazz of, trumpet going yeah. on in it. Some great, yeah. Um, some great, um, yeah, it's great. And uh, taste of honey, uh, a similar that always stands out. Yeah, most a me. similar. And that's a stunning, if quite. Anti-Valentine. <laughs> um, uh, that, that's, our, that's our remit today, the anti-Valentine's film. So, you know, be, be aware when you're watching these films, they're not going to possibly make you feel uh, romantic. But, you know, um, there's enough radio shows out there for Valentine's that will be trying to, to foist that attitude on you. So there we are. That's my second choice. Who would like to go next? Lucy? Oh, um, well, I have two that link, but I'll do them as separate mm. ones, I think. Um, so I'm going with Lost in Translation by Sophia Coppola. So this is our second Bill Murray appearance yes, of, the, of the evening. He, he keeps coming back. Um, and, of course, with Charlotte Johan- Charlotte Scarlett, Scarlett. Johansson, um, who also links in, in a little bit. Um so there's partly why I've so the the other the one is her by Spike Jones, and she but she's in that in voice only, isn't she? Yes, she is. And there's another link between it is Sophia Coppola and Spike Jones were of course married, and so apparently a chunk of Lost in Translation is based on their own relationship. And her is supposedly an apology to their relationship, which is makes it even sadder. Do we take it from her that someone had an affair with Alexa, or uh, or (laughs) someone just got too into their phone? (laughs) That that would be um, a very interesting take on it. Um, But it's full of love is but it's also full of emptiness and mm-hmm. just that space mm-hmm. that's left and it, it's got this wonderful sense of almost like when you're in an airport that sensation of being in between yeah and not quite being anywhere and you feel very lost at that moment and quite isolated and you find these moments of connection even if it's just saying thank you when you buy a bottle of water or something Mm. it can be surprisingly touching in that that absent space and you get the i get such an odd sensation in these places and it's just like an extended version of that and these people who uh in this non-space, um, find each other and find this 
belonging of sorts for even if only temporarily. I'm, 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 you know, I'm possibly going to strike this one out on the grounds that it's quite romantic, I suppose. I don't, in a way, but there's a complete lack of it. Mm. Um, it it's, um, I don't know, in a way there's this love, but at the end of it, they, there's just this feeling of loss. I, there is a, there's an absence. Okay, I, I think it's, 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 um, it's kind of, a, there's a contradiction here. I think it's a beautifully romantic, unromantic film. Mm. It's, it's two people coming together. They are sharing a romantic time through their own collective unromantic, yeah. you know, isolation. Yeah. Again, um, I think this is um, a bit like Broken Flowers, very positive cousin. Um, at least Bill Murray gets to hang out with gets to, she gets he gets to hang out with Scarlett Johansson for two hours, and we get to hang out with him. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and I think it's it's a glorious glorious film and yeah, I, I, I think that there are juxtapositions there, there's this one scene where he goes and plays golf he just, you just see him go to the golf course one screen take there's Mount Fuji in front of him and he just, he just takes a golf club out hits the ball and walks off and it, and it encapsulates how his mindset um, but all these mundane things he gets asked to do you know going on a TV show is mundane um, holding a glass of uh, Centuri whiskey and He's recording an advert, isn't he? That's what he's doing. Yeah. Times make it Centauri time. Yeah. You know, I, I want that T-shirt, by the way. I've just posted a tweet of your pick <laughs> with that. Um, yeah, this was in my this was in my list, so I'm now taking it out. Um, oh, my girlfriend doesn't like this film at all. I love oh, really? It. I love it. I cry like mad. You know, when they when they when they were um, at the end of the film when they're uh, mm. when they're hugging, I'm just like, I'm I'm there, man. Oh. And there's that. Lose there's a it. little bit of hope of what is it what that do he they says? Mm. <laughs> the older mystic. Um, yeah, I absolutely adore mm. this film. Yeah. There's just not that romantic resolution. It's just they they leave to go back to their lonely lives. Yeah, but maybe mm. maybe they've learned something in order to break out of that. So yeah, I think it's a happy ending. The way he goes off happy, that she goes mm. off happy. I think they're. Uh, and again, and again it, there's a mystique about what they say, but um, yeah, yeah. And I think you're absolutely, you know, I mean, I'm coming around to this idea that you know we've said anti Valentines and we've sort of taken that. Well, I sort of taken this to mean sort of you know misery <laughs> and loss and breakup. And so it's not, is it? It's uh, it, Valentines is a particular type of description of of romantic love that's very sentimental and very, uh, in some ways, kind of commercial. Uh, and this is another way of looking at it. So you're right. I think that's a very good call. I'm, I, as the arbiter of all things romantic, I am allowing it, Lucy. <laughs> You'll be you. pleased to hear. So that was uh, Lucy's second choice, Sophia Coppola's Lost in Translation, and an excellent choice it is too. You also mentioned Her. Yeah. Um, um, which is another fantastic film um, and another great performance from Joaquin Phoenix in that one. Joaquin. Sorry. I'm getting all these things wrong. Excellent choices. So, Tim, would you like to... Not as good as my Desplat. Your your Desplat. Regular listeners will know what we're talking about, um, possibly. Anyway, carry on. What's your choice, Tim? Oh, right, yeah. Um, Sorry. I'm still reflecting on uh, your choice. Um, I'm going to pick uh, Adrian Lyne's 1987 classic... Apart from the ending, Fatal Attraction. Mmm, this um, is grim. Yeah, um, what to say about this film? It's the um, second appearance of Michael Douglas. Uh, he's, an, he's also obviously got another a face for, uh, for dysfunctional marriages. Yeah, um, I think this film personifies the notion that cheating on your wife can lead to consequences. 
Well, it was often at the time seen as a. It was. It was at the height of the kind of the publicity around AIDS as well. So yeah. it was very much seen as a metaphor for that. So, so Michael Douglas plays a, a married man who has an affair with with Glenn Close, yes. and um, likes to cut it off, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and uh, it goes. You know, she doesn't want to end things, <laughs> um, so it comes back home. So it's that's the often me- that's being the to me, it's to the movie's detriment that most of us remember the last twenty to twenty-five minutes of the film, mm. um, and it's been parodied much as course with its bunny boiling and slasher movie credentials. Um, and the film's main premise is that it's of a, an unromance, a film about dissatisfaction and guilt, and at the heart of it is. Michael Douglas's character, but I think the most important character is Glenn Close's Alex, who um, I I think this is a film about mental illness and about someone who's suicidal. But the original, if you'd seen the film with the original ending, mm. and then it's all over the internet if you want to watch yeah. it. The alternate a- ending has Alex has basically um, Michael Douglas's character Dan is accused of killing Alex. But what we see is the last scene of the film, Alex taking a knife to her neck Mm. and slitting her throat. And that's the end of the film. Um, When they tested this with audiences in America, they wanted Alex to be killed. Because you dare test film like this with mainstream American audiences because they won't get it. And that's what happened. And um, the, the story around this was that Glenn Close, Adrian Lyne, and Adrian Lyne were, and Shelley Lansing, the producer, were, we must have the original ending. This is what it's about. It's just, we don't want um, Alex's character to be a murderer. We want it to be a suicidal character with, 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 real, with real underlying issues. Mm. But no, they reshot it as the version we knew. Mm. And everything up to that point, up, including the bunny boiling scene, is really well done. The sort of the unraveling, the, the reflection on the mistake that Dan, well, the... the the, the, the sort of the, the the trap that Dan falls into, and then the comeback, and Alex's um, Alex's response, uh, suitably almost yeah, psychotic maybe is is what the film one, uh, ultimately comes out of. But I think she's a fil- a person that's deeply troubled, and the mm. suicidal ending works a lot better than the the psychotic murderous ending. Well, um, either way, they're you know it's not a very it's not in a it's not it's definitely for me fitting into the anti Valentine's. Uh, remit. Yeah. Well, neither of those endings are particularly romantic. Let's be honest. No. <laughs> oh yeah. But I think the film is so good. I think um, the performances of Glenn Close is excellent. Um, I'd like to also mention Glenn Close in Dangerous Liaisons as another example of an anti Valentine's mm, film. Yeah. It uh, <laughs> works very very well on that go- on that regard as well. Um, but um, and that's in my honourable mentions list. But anyway, yeah. So 1987's Fatal Attraction. Attraction. It could be seen as misogynistic, the film. Mm, well, um, th- yeah, because there is, I mean... Uh, I have ultimately, to... we're, ultimately, are we not invited... Who are we invited to, sh- to take yeah. sides with, is the question, you know. And I have to kind of... You are right. You, you placed it into the context of 1980s, in 1980s the uprise of AIDS, and, the, and I think the, the treatment of women in films. Mm. And, and I think the remake kind of brings that to a head. I, sorry, the, the, origin, the, the ending that came out as the cinematic release yeah. is troublesome. The original one asks more questions. It's much more, it leaves things unresolved. And I think, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the ending to watch. So that's something that people can track down on Oh, you just on look YouTube. up alternate ending, fake yeah. attraction. Yeah. It's 
pretty particularly bonkers. I remember seeing right it on on telly, um, and they put the original ending on afterwards. Yeah, which I was quite surprised by. I'd never seen that happen before. On, a, on this was a TV in like in the you know in the mid nineties or something. They actually showed it. So I wondered again if that's something that Adrian Lynn's been pushing for. If that was mm. if that was their original uh, intention. Adrian Lynn's a is a is a is a curious director I, I really he's a you know he came out of that same school as tony scott a very glossy um filmmaker yeah. feels very 80s doesn't it it has an 80s aesthetic you know you, you go right back to you know you think of um flash dance and uh, and then he did nine and a half weeks dared to do that and then did this and then he did anyway he, he went on to do indecent proposal via jacob's ladder yeah <laughs> um which is the standout of course in terms of what he did yeah and indecent indecent proposal has some interesting dynamics that are potentially anti-Valentines but questionable as well yeah one million dollars for one night with your life with your what with your life with, with your, your wife. well yeah. well exactly. Would, you exactly dare, would you dare ask Woody Harrelson for that I would not ask Woody no, Harrelson Robert Redford me. can <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh dear that has Jeep that, that could be seen as misogynistic too but I, anyway going back Fatal Attraction is my choice, yeah. A brilliant, yeah. a brilliant one. Um, and um, I, I'm feeling, I don't know about you guys, I'm, st- I'm feeling a little bit kind of uncomfortable about all these discussions. I'm, well, I just I feel like lightening the mood a little the, bit. The film is dark as well. I mean, it deserves every bit of its 18 rating. You know, yeah. uh, take out the ending. There is a scene with an, um, where Dan picks up that knife, you know, when, they, when the aggression's beginning to turn on. I mean, Dan's character is implicit, complicit in all of this as well. Yeah, of course. You know, he's at the heart of this. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. He he has leanings towards doing horrible things. Right, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna light things up. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna light oh, yeah. things up um, with some music because I wanted to um, pick some music um, from <laughs> her, which was um, one of of Lucy's honourable mentions. Um, and uh, this is also has the added loveliness of having Scarlett Johansson singing. So this is uh, the Moon Song, um, and it's from the soundtrack to Her. Love her. It's gorgeous. That's the Moon Song um, from her. Um, thank you for your tweets. Um, we have had a, a tweet from Cine Feline on commenting on uh, Fatal Attraction. Um, so it's a great choice. Uh, outrageously misogynistic film. But yes. Glenn Close's amazing performance just about makes up for it. I'm glad you pointed out that, yeah. yeah. I, I had to raise it. Yeah, yeah. And, a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a great choice. And thank you for your comments. Can I raise them? Um, can I just quickly say, I forgot to mention Unfaithful, which is another Adrian Lyne film. Um, oh yeah, this is Richard Gere and uh, uh, someone, D- Diane Lane. Of course, she was Oscar nominated, and that film is about has a similar has a similar run through in one in one regard, mm. but um, Di- it's much less misogynistic, and Diane Lane is brilliant in it. Yeah, excellent, Discuss. excellent, excellent. Um, right, so I'm going to try and try and slightly fluffy it up a bit now um, with a slightly perhaps a slightly more. Um, gentle one um, and this is a film I'm going to talk about this as a mirror of it's like a kind of PG version of Blue Valentine um, if you can imagine such a thing 500 Days of Summer mm. that's a hard film you think? Mm. Oh, is it PG? well who? 2000? no well I mean in, in essence it's much in essence, nice. yes. 500 Days of Summer this is 2009's film with um Zoe Deschanel, was it Zoe? Zoe. Um, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, um, directed by Mark Webb. I think it was his uh, debut. Um, the reason I'm likening it to Blue Valentine is this non-linear thing. So we see a relationship, 
um, and we see it, you know, in different order. And we so we know from the beginning what what's going to happen to them, um, and we know where it's going. So we don't have this kind of we don't have this sense that we should be, you know, rooting for them, whatever. And we watch, and I think I think this kind of idea of a relationship that's kind of fragmented like that is it's a very good way of. Um, of looking at relationships because, you know, we, you know, they don't have a kind of, you know, any relationship doesn't have a, a perhaps a, a, put, a beautiful kind of arc that can be mapped out. You know, things do come in blobs and, and, and they go back and then things change and then you, 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 you have a honeymoon period and then you have, you know, things happen and they change in relationships and they're not always, I don't think, anyway. And I think it's quite a nice way of looking at things. So so this is a film that, that deals with the whole relationship. It's 500 Days of Summer because we have 500, um, you know, we, we see the 500 days or chunks of the 500 days of their relationship um, and she is called Summer. Um, and we see it at different points. So we always, on the screen, it tells us what uh, our sorry, what day it is, and we see it. I've got a little um, clip um, which might give you an idea of what it's what it's like, um, which is actually um, actually from the soundtrack. It's a nice little bit, story of Boy Meets Girl. So let's just have a listen to this. hope that's not too big a spoiler for you there. But, well, it's um, the film's tagline. <laughs> well, they are. Um, <laughs> it, it, for me, it's the great anti-Valentine, just for that, that reason that he said there, and I'm sure lots of people can relate to that, this idea that particularly perhaps when you're younger, you feel... You're not complete until you have the one and that person's going to come along and they're going to make everything fine and all your flaws will melt away because they won't, they will like your flaws and therefore they will cease to be flaws and that you become, um, and this film, you know, does, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have truck with that and it's, you know, you've got to, you've got to, you know, love isn't something that fixes everything. It's, it's a, you know, it's nice to have and it's great, but it's not a solution to it all. And I think great in, in casting of Zoe Deschanel is great in this because she is this, um, what they call the pixie dream girl thing of, of a certain type of indie music liking kind of young man. Um, you know, the perfect woman that she's going to be, you know, she's going to be quirky. She's going to be funny and she's going to be crazy and she's going to make everything fine. Um, and it does that. It is it, So it takes that idea that the rom-coms have told us about what a relationship arc should be. And then it tears it up and it chops it up and it puts it in different order. And then it says, there you go. And again, we have this relationship ending and we don't really know why, because only they know why. And they don't know why either. But I'm getting an agonized face from Lucy. Lucy looks utterly unimpressed by this choice. I, I think I love this film. I do oh. think it's fantastic. But. It's an awkward one because it's all told entirely from his perspective, yeah. which is fine. That's that's the point of the film, but it it only tells that one side, and it at times makes her come across as quite a horrible person when really that's not the case at all. Mm. It's just he's got such you're getting his biased perspective and making him look mm. like this lovely boy and like her uh, looking like this you know like say she it makes her look come off quite badly at times when really she's been completely um straightforward the whole way through she's been very honest about what she wants what she doesn't want but because it doesn't come in line with his perception of it it it, it goes against it and it, it's that makes it very problematic yeah, in a sense. I, I think the film is generally good. 
I think it's a generally good film, and I, I think the performances are great in it. Um, I think the film is a bit... It's a kind of like a, 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 a young person generation retread of Annie Hall in many regards. Um, yeah. And I, I would say... I mean, one of the, well, I think one critic I remember, they called it a Hong-com in, in light of uh, what Lucy <laughs> just said. Um, yeah, that's quite a nice, quite a nice take, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it does many of the same thing. It tries to do it some of the similar things that... Eternal Sunshine does in that it's uh, doing the do it playing with the timeline, doing the whole um, romantic uh, love story, but it's not a love story thing um, in a, in a way. Um, I think some of the the bit, some of the bits that don't work for me, and it's it's the whole it's telling it's trying to tell you the film is too cool for school in the characters, and in, and it, and it kind of lays that on quite thick sometimes with some of the kooky elements. There was a whole straight about that time, and it wasn't this film. There were many worse examples of this where where certain certain people, certain things and traits were, were kooky, do mm. weird because it's cool and romantic. Yeah. This film does that some of that. I think it's mainly down to Zoe Deschanel's thing. Um, and she's great, by the way. Well, the, but, the, the the worst offender, in my opinion, for that is that um, Scott Pilgrim film. Yeah. Um, I can't stand that for that reason. It is that whole kind of thing, of the, you know, you, the, you, the, for, for sort of nerdy boys. You can tip the balance of too cool for school too far sometimes. Yeah. That this film sort of tinkers, or tin, is on the edge of doing it occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not to want to do the film a disservice. It just um, it, it, and it, and, it, and in terms of it's it is very moving and it does mm. work on that regard. It, it, it's a good film, but not for me a great film. Okay, okay. Um, well, there's the opinion in the Oh, studio. I'm so sorry, Blake. No, you're absolutely fine to have them. Um, and if you, down for one now. if you are out there, then do uh, let us know what you think at Scream Brum. We've had a lot of tweets in today, so we're grateful. Uh, Feathers and Wings, hello again. The, the killing of Sister George. Oh That's another that relationship, film. but not a happy one. Good choice. Um, and we've also mentioned uh, the, the uh, Cine Feline, who's commented on... Ray, uh, on um, uh, excuse me, uh, Fatal Attraction. Um, Thomas Kavanagh is taking exception to my um, perhaps rather um, unthought through assertion that uh, the Midlands is a perfect place for relationship uh, upheaval films because of its place in the middle, suggesting that I'm liking Birmingham to Purgatory. Um, absolutely not. Purgatory. Although that would make London hell, which um, which suits me um, well, as a description. That's Donald Tusk where it is. Yeah, let's yeah. not get into that. That'll become out of date after this show's... Uh, uh, let's yeah. hope so. Um, and uh, yeah, we've also had some comments on uh, Death Becomes Her. That's another one I considered uh, as a good kind of love triangle thing and playing with the idea of romance. So thank you for your brilliant choices. Can I rock a few honourable mentions? We do, do. What, um, what would you like to come up with? Uh, the Last Seduction. We talked about this before. Mm, um, I, so I think uh, Just dropping through um, things that I didn't pick. Uh, Last Seduction, uh, Misery... So keep going. Sorry, I'm just it's kind of it's kind of uh, it plays as an anti-Valentine's film in some regards, although it's more about um, Catherine Bates being more deranged than crazy, I guess. Yeah, um, that's a great. And it's well, you know, that, that's a film uh, all about all about ankles, isn't it? Uh, maybe I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 took, I, I almost put closer in here. Closer was certainly one of my choices. The um, reason I didn't put it in is I haven't seen it, but I put it in. <laughs> I have seen I, it on the, the stage. The reason why I didn't put it in is I thoroughly dislike everybody in that film. Mm. 
and I think you're meant to thoroughly dislike yeah, everybody in all, that film. They're all they're all interested in. Oh, shall we just? Sorry, this is Mike Nichols' film. Um, I think it's Patrick Marber's Patrick screenplay. Marber's screenplay, great, great cast. Stage, it feels like a stage play. In many it regards. was a stage play. I saw well, it on stage. Um, 2004. It was. It had uh, Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman, it, Clive, um, Owen. Clive Owen, um, Jude Law, and uh, Julia Roberts. Um, all um, and the and the setup of the film is basically they're all in love with each other and then they're not they're actually in love with the other persons in the film and it's kind of a menage a quatre kind of gone crazy kind of but the idea is ultimately that they 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 leave a surface of and it all a surface of being in love with the other person and it all unravels in horrible ways yeah. and what you realize is that everyone is really just interested in pleasure yeah not interested in the consequences of their actions and it's a film about the unraveling on it and there's nothing remotely joyous about the film Really, and Mike Nichols and Patrick Marber, I think, deliver everything they want in terms of the direction of travel. Yeah, but boy, is it! It's not a pleasant it's watch. Cold. It's cold. It's cold. Okay. It's cold. Okay. Let's uh, let's move on. We're all going to be cold on this. But any any other honorable mentions, or would you like to get into another? Uh, film? I mentioned Dangerous Liaisons and uh, a little nod. Um, no, actually, I think I'm just going to move on. Okay. Um, do you want to pick an extra one, or Lucy? Would you? Who who wants to go next? Hands uh, up. I, 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 I think I'm due to pick my next choice. Okay, pick I your next choice. To rock through some of thy um, dubious ones. Um, okay. Oh, this is a, this is difficult. Um, I'm going to. I am going to pick Shame. Oh. So this is Steve McQueen. Uh, another one that my girlfriend really doesn't like. <laughs> I can see it's not an easy. This is this is the toughest of all the films for me, of all the films I've picked t today. This is just the most. Um, it's grim, uncompromising, and Steve McQueen at his very best, and also Michael Fassbender's probably finest performance as an actor. Um, literally, so he's a sex all. addict in this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, it's this film about character who's unable to form any kind of emotional attachment with a woman yeah. um, presenting the idea that some people have I think it, it all relates back to childhood in this film um, and it's a chilly alternative to the Hollywood mantra that everyone has a happy ending and juxtaposition juxtaposed against this there are meetings with female characters trying to go out on a date that goes wrong um, his chilly encounters and a, a gradual decline that, go, that 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 sort of actually he's on a decline at the start of the film and the film's decline is a, is basically the the story of the film for the length of the film and Steve McQueen what I love about Steve McQueen is he's very good at putting the camera right up against the characters that we're trying to we're seeing and you're just watching this decline in Michael Fassbender's character um and Kerry Mulligan plays the sister in the film and this is one scene uh, where she's in, uh, she's a, she's a singer, and she does a, a portrayal, a, a, sing, a rendition of New York, New York, um, and juxtaposed against Michael Fassbender's decline, and it's um, it's chilling, and um, I think that that scene sticks out as does the scene where he goes out on a date. Um, he literally bears all in the film as well, and it's cold. Yeah, it's yeah. very cold, and I I don't think Fassbender's been better. I really, I mean, he's a great actor. I mean, he's in my favorite actors list, but this Assassin's is, uh, Creed's probably up there. Yeah, I love Assassin's uh, Creed and the Snowman. Yeah, um. they're all they're all brill. <laughs> yeah, thanks for thanks for putting some levity back into this one. Oh, try to. I I, I, to I know that I, other this. people in this room share the same love for Shame. So yeah, well, I, I think, think Lucy it's does. a truly incredible film. I, I love Steve McQueen's work anyway, but I. 
think that's got to be his finest really it's um toss it with that and hunger isn't it really yeah so they, yeah. they've worked together because obviously that's michael fassbender and fassbender was in uh, 12 years a slave as well yeah, yeah. is he in yeah. widows he's not in widows oh, i haven't no. seen that but uh, widows is great. great yeah great. that's his latest one um yeah. um i'm going to play some music as a result of that just because i want to play the carrie mulligan track um that you were talking about new york new york before i do low lucy is there anything you'd like to add about shame I don't know what can be added, really. It, it's such a distressing thing, and you feel it so deeply, e- even th- through that 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 coldness. Like Tim said, it, it's. Um, I, I when I saw that at the cinema, um, there were several fa- well failed dates in there that night. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible oh, choice. It really was. It a really date was. And. I, I came out, I'm not sure it's the right thing to say, but I came out so excited by it, because it, <laughs> which is a really bizarre wow. thing. But I thought it was just such an amazing film and such a brilliant way at looking at some a subject that's quite rarely looked at in that way. Yeah. And it, it, it's unflinching it's unflinching it's explicit there's this one scene where he's looking across the, the tower block and he's just watching two people having sex in and it's like a computer screen to him uh-huh. he's just watching it just so detached detachment it's a series of and there's very there's very, there's very little dialogue mm. and yet it's actually incredibly scripted in its visual nature yeah. it's incredibly well done and Carrie Mulligan in it as well. It, it's both of them share this sense of acute and cold desperation. And it's kind of two sides of the same coin where she will do anything to experience some kind of intimacy and emotional closeness and throw everything else aside. And he will do the same, but for just a physical intimacy and throw everything else aside. It's um, like their their relationship as brother and sister. They're the same thing in some sense. And the other thing I would say is this is the film that kind of acts as the the true crossover between Steve McQueen as artist and filmmaker Mm. and pure filmmaker when he went on to do 12 Years a Slave. This film feels like a piece of... um, Art, yeah, because of the because of the way he does these long shots and the way that he does these he's 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 just doing th- tracking and doing expression and facial, doing very little yeah. and doing so much at the same time. It's so well edited and so well shot. It's uh, yeah. Let's have a listen Great to shot. Carrie Mulligan, yeah, singing New York, New York from from Shame. No, I've got to end it there. It's, uh, it's she, 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 she warbles on a little bit longer. Um, oh, sad, sad stuff. Thank you for your tweet. We're talking anti-romance here. Valentine's. On, uh, sorry, yeah, anti-Valentine's. We're definitely romantic. All of um, we are romantic here on the Bum Radio uh, Screen Bum Show. And uh, thank you for your tweets. We've had uh, Gone, Bur- Gone Girl. Rob Shepard has tweeted in with a rather horrible <laughs> image. I love from that, that gift, man. Um, fantastic. And uh, Fernando Kerrigan has made a very uh, important point about Love Actually. Um, as being the most depressing display of romance ever, romance in inverted commas. No idea what you're talking about. 
uh, is one one of the plots. I love my wife, but will still cheat with some idiot as another plot. And <laughs> I will pursue my perfectly happy best friend's partner. Um, it's true. I mean, well, it's... that is that. Yes, the uh, yes, the Andrew Lincoln. Uh plot line is the most for me the most troublesome one yeah. i mean there are troublesome well, plot lines across love actually i mean um, but thing. i i will stay i will stand up to the the fact that the end the film's ending is lovely and um even with all the problems of the film the uh, the scene in the airport a set to the beach boys is very nice anything with the beach boys is all going to be good yeah um, but, but she she has a point i i like the film a bit more than she does I think. <laughs> um <laughs> barum has also pointed out um, brighton rock which is uh, fantastic and having possibly the bleakest ending. The only ending um, I've ever see- come across that's bleaker than the ending to the film of Brighton Rock is the ending to the book Brighton Rock, which is even worse. Um, but yeah, he's pointing out that's pretty much you know an incredibly anti romantic one so another choice thank you very much for that Thomas Kevinar has also suggested I spit on your grave um, <laughs> well, not nice that, nice not that uh, romantic uh, I guess or not that uh, I think Hellraiser's a good anti-Valentine's picture yeah um, so there's lots of other <laughs> lots of other um, and I, I wanted to funny as well so there you go. I, I want to um, I've got I don't know which one to use now as my next, my next one. I want to, I want to make my central thesis now. I'm gonna. I, this is my number one, really. So everything else I say after this, you can ignore. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my my central point on on a choice, and I'm gonna try and lift the mood. Um, in fact, I'm going to do it through the medium of music, uh, and I'm going to play. Um, well, no, I'm not. Not doing very well on this introduction. <laughs> TV series, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Have okay. you seen it? No. No. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, the title alone makes you think, oh, right, this is a sitcom called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It's about, it uh, stars Rachel Bloom as a, as a woman called Rebecca Bunch. She's a successful uh, New York lawyer. Um, and she runs into her her ex-boyfriend from summer camp back when she was a kid. And suddenly... Up and up, out of nowhere, decides to leave her successful New York life and move to this small town in uh, California where he lives. Um, you know, just coincidentally, he lives there. But she's really, you know, she, she she believes him to be the answer to all her problems. This this man, he's he's engaged, but she thinks if she has a relationship with him, it's going to solve all her problems. Um, but what the what the sitcom does is it completely inverts that idea. It's actually a lot of it is about mental illness. She has a lot of mental health problems that she isn't only you know that she isn't facing up to, and she's using romance as a way of avoiding them. So she's constantly so it's, so it's ironic. It's an ironic take on this idea that she's the craziest girlfriend in the sense that she is. You know she does have mental health problems, and, and it very much takes those seriously, and it isn't you know isn't kind of belittling them and saying oh she's crazy. That's the that's the point of it. Um, so all the way through this um, this program, you know, takes all of these cliches of romance and 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 challenges them. This idea that she's going to be made happy because it's goes on for four series, and you know, this this figure, this Josh, this figure that she's she's fantasized about, does not make her happy because obviously the problems are with her, not with not with this one thing that's sorted out. Um, so there's no there's not going to be a happy ending for her until she realizes that a lover is not going to solve all her problems for her. Um, it's 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 also very um, postmodern uh, in the sense of you know it understands that we have been soaked. 
um, the character and, and the, some of the women in the film have been soaked, in particular, in, in, in rom-coms. And this idea that this is how a relationship should go. So it inverts that. So there's a whole episode where one of the characters has never seen a rom-com. So, you know, that someone gives him some DVDs and he watches them and, he, and then he has a dream or you know, a dream sequence, a whole episode where he's in a rom-com and he is going through and it's challenging all of the cliches of it and, sh- and then ultimately showing that that's not a, it's not a successful way to run a relationship. Um, and um, it's incredibly funny, if you ask me. It's full of great characters. And the one thing that I haven't mentioned yet, which is quite key, is it's a musical. Every, song, every episode has two or three musical numbers which are always fantastic, brilliantly choreographed, big video. They could be isolated videos um, all in different genres. So you'll have a rock song, you'll have a rap number, you'll have a, 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 a big band number. And they're not, they're not mocking the concept of musicals. It is clearly made by people that really like them. Um, so it plays into all of those things. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, the final series is currently on. It's, on. it's on Netflix at the moment. I want to play a song from it. It gives you an idea of it. There's loads of them I chose here. If you look, Tim, at the list of them, you'll see um, whether or not I could play any of these because they're, they're often quite um, explicit. Sweary. <laughs> um, so um, I've chosen one here. Now, this, I've chosen this track, and have a listen to it because I think this exactly plays into the idea. This, is a, this is a, a, um, has the great advantage of... of you know, it's a female-fronted, female-written program that, that understands that the particular pressures I think that the women in particular put under in society to to be in a certain way to show so so the character we have of, of Rebecca is sort of superficially successful she's a she's a big successful lawyer it's what her mother wants her to be but it's not necessarily what she wants to be and she has all these pressures to be a certain way um, and to be a certain way in relationships um, because because uh, of the way that society has told her so here's a track that that they sing that kind of um, talks about this and and have a and let me know what you think about it. So let's have a listen. First for him. Ah, there you go. Put yourself first for him. And every every song, every episode has two or three bangers like that um, that are, uh, yeah, great. So there we are. It also, I think, is one of the um, few programs I'll say that actually sort of t- take kind of women's sexuality and women's bodies very seriously as well. And there's a whole episode in there where she's, she, you know, about her getting a thrush infection. And, you know, it's, it's, yeah, but, uh, you know, and desperately trying to get rid of it before she has a date, all this kind of stuff. Um, but anyway, I enjoy it. I don't know what anyone else thinks. No one else here has seen it. Um, but, you know, I'm 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 looking at it from the anti-Valentine point of view in that it is it is kind of a corrective to all this rom-com stuff. You know, it's not saying romance is is dead and wrong and terrible, but what it is saying is is that you don't expect you know falling in love to answer all of your problems. You know, if you have problems that come from your relationship with your mother, then you know getting a, a boyfriend with with you know with big muscles isn't going to actually solve those problems there we go there we go um do you do you have any visceral problems with musicals tim not no i i i generally musicals is not my favorite genre as i think i've said before on uh, this show but there are some musicals i really love and um I'm a, I'm actually have a, a soft spot for Enchanted. There you go. Go oh. go hide under the table. I think that's a really that's a really lovely film. Well, the great thing again, but again, um, it's it's when they're playing, it's when they're poking, it's well, when they poke fun at things, and, and there's a real purpose to it. I think as the, well. the thing, the point of this of this series, and the reason I'm choosing it and, and going on about it so much is, is that it, as I say, it is about all of those 
messages that we have and pop music is very much another avenue of that you know we're constant there's a line isn't there in um high fidelity when he talks about you know all these these men that listen to pop music and they get really into it and collect it and stuff they've listened to hundreds and thousands of hours of misery and heartbreak and loneliness and how much is that going to affect their brains and it's the same sort of thing you know we're constantly presented with these pop songs and you know people saying this and you know like that song there you know Beyonce and, and these artists say you know take control of yourself but you know within a certain parameter so I like that anyway well it, it's just jumped onto the top of my list for things to watch on Netflix now okay good so, well there's like there's four episodes there's four series and they're quite long so it's quite a lot, lot quite a lot to go but um, but also check out the um, the soundtrack because um, you know even in isolation the songs are all absolutely brilliant and Often utterly, utterly hilarious. Um, yeah, great stuff. And the fourth and final series is on now. I think there's a few episodes left before we find out what's going to happen to her. But I don't think there's going to be a riding off into the sunset ending because that would be a bit of a, a cop-out. So there we go. Um, let us know if anyone out there has heard of A Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Rest assured, it is not the, um, the misogynist-sounding thing that you have... Um, uh, possibly, uh, you know, the name might suggest. Right, tweet us. You are you can still tweet us at Screen Brum. Hello, Thomas again. Uh, just occurred to me that it's um, mentioned verges on spoiler territory, but George Clooney and Vera Fermagia in Up in the Air. Um, yes. Ooh, but we can't go into too much because that is spoiler territory. But yeah, heartbreaker that one. Uh, it's a heartbreaker. Um... My favourite sick. My favourite scenes in those films are all about George Clooney's advice on how to do luggage properly and yeah. how to get through uh, how to get through uh, security at the airport. Yeah, I mean that's a film again. And about his general some... his general hatred of people waiting there wasting their time at airports. It was just it's, observational comedy is very good in that. It, it is it, and and again that is a film about being isolated, isn't it? And yeah. and, and and the the kind of coldness of trying to separate yourself from other people and saying it's very control everything. It is again a very unromantic mm. film. Mm. Yeah, yeah, good choice, Thomas. So it's Jason uh, Reitman, isn't it? Um, yeah. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. So anyone. Anyone else like to, to come in with another choice? I've just, I've just gone. Uh, well, I've got a couple, but I just wanted to jump on to the mention of High Fidelity. Mm. And I think you were thinking of um, what came first, the misery or the music for that line. But um, it, it, I love High Fidelity so much. I could never watch it too much. Um, but it's um, another one of those where it's told from entirely his perspective. Yeah. Um, and it, he deals with the breakups in such hilarious but such a selfish manner. And um, the, the, the end, it's um, in a lot of ways, it could be this, seen as this really romantic thing. They get back together and they're dancing and all happy and lovely. But just before that end, she, Laura, um, at a really traumatic point in her life, just says to him, I'm too tired not to be with you anymore. And there's a few lines around that. And it's not a romantic reunion, really. It's just she's settling, basically. She's in such an awful place that... She's she's got nowhere else to go. She's got she's gone for something familiar and comforting. And so he thinks, Oh, I've done the best thing and all this pining and harassment <laughs> has paid off and she's come back to me. 
but it's I think it's actually quite sad in a lot of ways. You know, she's just come out with this, I'm too tired from your harassment and from this horrendous thing that of that's just happened to her and to just not be anywhere else. Mm. <laughs> You know, but that is that is a, a. It reminds me of that line. There's a line in The Simpsons, isn't it, where Marge throws uh, Homer out until he can um, show her there's one thing that only he can give her that no one else can give her, uh, and he ends up he realizes it's complete and utter dependence. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah that's, that's basically and it. In that lovely way, <laughs> Marge Simpson do. Yeah, I love Marge Simpson. Oh, everyone loves Marge. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it is that is very anti-romantic, but you know, quite realistic as well. Yeah. You know, there's a whole you know, there's a whole story. That's my impersonation. There. But you know, with, with 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 these films, that's the problem with these rom-coms. You know, we've been led to believe that there's a person there through these films. There's a person there that will make everything okay, and it will be no effort, and it will be perfect all the time and unchangingly perfect. And and that's just obviously not true. We know that from experience. But you know, when you, you go into these things, you know, and maybe that you know, maybe it is romantic for someone to say, you know, you'll do. <laughs> or maybe that's just me. There we go. What do you think? At Scream Brum Tim. Tim, we've just had a few choices. Are you going to bring us down still further? Yes. Okay, look forward to hearing <laughs> this. Yeah, I, I really am. Uh, there, are a lot, there are quite a few films out there which are about marriages going in down the pan. Um, I think you know, Revolutionary Road springs to mind as an example of uh, two actors going at it, hammer and tongues, over a period of a film. Yeah. Um, very effectively. Um, but I thought I'd throw in uh, the film uh, from 2005, directed by uh, Francois Ozon, Cinq fois deux, or Five Times Two. Anyone seen it? It's ten, isn't it? <laughs> All right, sorry. <laughs> no, no um, I have not seen this. Is this... Is this, is this a swimming pool? Or am I imagining he, he, he did direct swimming oh, pool, it's, yes. Yeah. It's the same director as Under the Sand, uh, Sula Sabla, and uh, Swimming Pool. Tim speaks French, everyone. He's showing off. Um, okay, so this film does have a happy ending, but only because the film moves backwards through time. Oh, right. So the opening... The film is basically... It's uh, five scenes. Um, starting... The film starts um, with the divorce. The lawyer... Opening 20 minutes. It's the lawyer uh, signing off the papers. Um, and the idea is um, the film goes backwards in time. Um, so it's kind of like... The reason why it's technically so brilliant, Ozon is a very technically brilliant director, is kind of, it kind of imitates a kind of... Um, a glance back through time and does it through... The idea is we're meant to fill in the gaps between each of the five scenes. Um, and... The idea is, um, you know, even at the opening scene after the divorce is kind of done, they kind of end up, um, they uh, they actually repair and they go back to a cheap hotel room for a, a kind of a, a, a sort of a, a, a winning sex session. <laughs> it's kind of a way of getting through the divorce. Um, <laughs> there's a dinner party, there's a birth, there's a wedding, and and there's the beginning of their affair. Um, where actually the, one of the characters, Gilles, uh, is actually on holiday with his previous girlfriend. 
And why I like this film is that it's an exercise in, you know, taking the or taking the audience through five different scenes of a of a marriage, or going backwards, which is very odd, back to the beginning, and and um, it's kind of signposting. And um, what I also like is too often we talked about rom coms and how that the, we're supposed to how the film director and his plot is manipulating us towards an ending, and they all fall fall into familiar territory. And the beautiful thing about this is, um, you know, the end is clear. I.e., they got together at the beginning of the, at the beginning of their relationship. That's the ending. But how did they get there? So going backwards is an interesting dilemma. Mm. How did they get there? And um, and it's um, yeah, basically, it's not happy because it just leaves us this idea that you have a happy ending, but ultimately, all love is doomed and all marriages will fail. And um, I think that's very anti-Valentine's. Yeah, so enjoy your a, chocolates on the 14th. <laughs> Ozon, for me, I love Ozon because, like Hanukkah, he has this ability to just leave you feeling really uncomfortable. Mm. Hanukkah does it better than anyone, actually. But, but yeah, um, it, you know, it, it's it's Gallic in its lack of... In its lack of uh, Yes, it's it's yeah, in its lack of charm in yeah. that where I, you know, French the French can do romance, but the French can also do doomed, doomed, mm. very well. Oh, that's a that's a that's a movie poster quote. I like that. French can do romance, but they can also do doomed romance. And this one is certainly sums that up. Um, so this is cinq fois deux fois. Five times two. Five times two for those of you that do not have Tim's it's French. Yes, five scenes. Two people. people. I get it. I get it. Have you seen it, Lucy? I haven't, I'm afraid. Okay, neither have Put I. that on your list of exciting anti-Valentine's ones, everyone. Yeah, you it's some, on there. You've got some great... You'll uh, really like it, Lucy. And it's mm. pretty good. Um, excellent, excellent choices. Well, we've got 15 minutes of the show left. We'd love to hear any further choices for you for anti-romantic, sorry, anti-Valentine's at Screen Brum. And um, Lucy, is it your turn? Oh, um, I've got two left that I wanted to mention, but I've only really got time for one, haven't I? Okay. So I'm going to go for Wuthering Heights, um, the Laurence Olivier version oh. from 1939. <laughs> um, I always think that Wuthering Heights has this thing about it that's really misunderstood. People think of it as this great romance story mm. when it's really not. <laughs> it's kind of like people think of Romeo and Juliet in the same way as, mm. well, they, they see it as this beautiful romance tale when it's actually really not very nice. Um, Have you seen White Gas OC or read that, which is a kind of a, another take on Jane Eyre from the kind of oh. showing that in a very different light as well. Mm. So, yeah, sorry, carry no, on. That's, um, so, the, I mean, there's a lot of liberties taken with the story as there usually is. Um, with Kate, Kate Bush doesn't appear in it at all. No, no, shocking. Um, there the usually is with screen versions of novels um and of course with it having quite a short runtime as well so they even changed the century of it to try and make it more cinematic um but they only focus on a selection of chapters really um, um but they managed to create a wonderful feeling to it um i was a strange child and i used to watch the video over and over <laughs> to the point where i made it go all fuzzy uh. and, um 
and it, it the environment and the mood it creates is wonderful but it again it that thing of the, there's something very romantic about it but it's horribly brutal and non-romantic relationship that it's abusive through most of it mm. and um so it's that non-romance romance that ah. there's there's not really any love there's obsession and there's harm and there's a lot of gaslighting um but th there's no real love i don't know if it, i think the characters i don't know if they're really capable of it because they're so narcissistic and so troubled with their particularly his own his traumas and her um selfish manner that they they have this idea of what they are to each other but it's a, a really dangerous codependence oh i'm feeling uh, i'm feeling um yeah quite trauma. i'm i'm thinking about you know the the the, the um the line from uh, high fidelity we talked about with the which came first the misery or the music is you know for, for cinephiles is it you know is it is it healthy that uh, that you watch that film over and over again as, as a child yeah when i was about Six, yeah, I think. so that probably says a lot. Does it say a lot about you? Well, let's not let's not psychoanalyze you right now. Um, I can't really comment. I can't really add anything to that. Um, you know, it is it's gothic, isn't it? Yes, very much. And possibly one of the things that gave it that really moody atmosphere which was needed is apparently it was a really horrible work environment um everyone on the set hated each other and they were really quite mean to each other so that's that, gonna work yeah so that well, it worked for jaws yeah. didn't it so that's the way yeah maybe some yeah some evil directors out there just constantly spreading malicious gossip about each other and stuff he said this fantastic choice okay so that's 1939 version multiple film versions of this oh there's yeah there's um, several but uh, there, there's some really good ones there's been a couple of um decent bbc uh, dramatizations of it as well um, but that that's the best by far okay so that's the one to look up the 1939 Lawrence Olivier Wuthering Heights we're going to be back shortly with with finishing off any further others I'll play some music and then Tim can come back with his final choice um, I'm going to play the theme from um, First Wives Club because it's Dionne Warwick and we all need to hear some of this I'm going to cheer you up a bit yeah be strong. Keep strong, guys. Uh, wives and Lovers from the soundtrack to First Wives Club, which is another pretty non-romantic film, I'd like to say. Right, you're here at the very last part of the Screen Brum show here on uh, Brum Radio. Um, you're, there's still time for you to contribute, if you'd like to, at Screen Brum or info at screenbrum.co.uk. But we've been talking about anti-Valentines today. And um, you're in the studio with me, Blake Woodham, and Tim Wilson and Lucy Beth. Now, Tim, you haven't given us a number one it's never going to be number one. Well, so you haven't not given a subject. You'll ever get a one yeah, out of me. I, I just, I'm just going to raise the raise the kind of tone because I've been giving you 
quite dark and happy films. So. Mm-hmm. And um, I said I'd return to Gondry, um, and um, f- I will throw in there just as a kind of uh, piece. You started with Gondry, and we'll end with Gondry. So nice. I'm going to pick uh, 2007's The Science of Sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is kind of me, me if Gondry in his most childlike um, kind of self-indulgent mode I think and I, I think if you like that if you want to go with it I think this film serves as a you're going to argue whether it's anti, anti-Valentine's or not but that's because the film plays on the real world and the the world inside um, Gael, Gus, Gael Gus, Garcia Bernal see I'm struggling with names now Gael Garcia Bernal's head he plays a character called Stefan who by the day works in a printing shop and by night he has his TV show called Stefan TV um, and the the way that the film plays between what goes on in his head and what goes on in reality is part of the film's joy and then he meets he meets a girl called Stephanie just a really confused thing plays by Charlotte Gainsbourg and um, falls in love and the film plays a kind of um, it plays as a kind of love letter to his childhood and his head and what goes on his head and his desire to um, fall in love with his new neighbour Stephanie and um, it's a fear it's basically it's it is we talked about films being kooky but this for me is this is Gondry kooky so it's perfectly fine there's all sorts of weird imagery all sorts of uh, him imagining falling in love and then finding himself back in the real world there's stuff involving um, uh, rocking horses and big hands and uh, dreamlike sequences where he's beating up his boss in the printing factory Um, and but why I love it and this is why it's personal to me is that it's it I relate to it because it's kind of a really a wonderful portrayal of what it's like to fall in love for the first time and the awkwardness of actually being able to tell someone that you've fallen in love with them and uh and I think Bernal kind of some Bernal's performance is kind of he's like in, he's like channeling Gondry in in a way throughout the film um so um the reason why it's anti-valentines is because of that juxtaposition between dream world and real world um, and it's kind of awkward all the way through. Um, you will either find it wearisome or you will find it uh, charming and surreal and romantic. And because it's in French, it kind of adds a certain other frisson to it. Yeah. Um, see what uh, we've done there? Clever. Yeah, I see what I've done there myself. I just did that on the hoof, by the way. <laughs> um, it's kind of like, um, it reminds me of kind of... Uh, y- kind of you know that kind of do and men quality of tv shows from the 70s kind of badly put together like banana splits or something like that it kind of has that adam and joe show type Uh, yeah it it kind of it uh, gondry does this thing with you know with lo-fi that you know very few directors can do he's kind of out there with his kind of strange people wearing things rather there's no cgi it's puppetry or it's weirdness um, and that's why it's great because you can do that in the mind in the mind world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really love science of sleep. Oh, I think that's a good. I a lot of people didn't, because a lot of people uh, because a lot of people don't ha- can't handle the um, the Gondry excess. Mm. Well, it, it's absurd. Yeah, um, it's French. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's lovely. I like I like lovely. I think that's a, an excellent one to to end on as well today because. 
you know, anti-Valentine's, you know, I'm feeling like we've been, you know, I don't want to bring people down and say love is doomed. We just want to say there's other ways of looking at the world, you know. Yeah, you could have a, you, you know, your, your choice is yours. Do you want to watch Sang Froid De, or do you want to watch something like Eternal Sunshine or Science Asleep? And the great thing is, you, you have can that do choice. whatever you want. Um, we are we are really coming close to the end of the show now. Um, before we we say thank you, are there any other honourable mentions? Anything we haven't got onto? I'd, I'd certainly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of films I haven't <laughs> mentioned which I'd like to. Um, Alfie. Um, reason I didn't mention that was we've talked a lot. You know, shame covered a lot of the similar ground of this idea of you know some man who you know had the Michael Caine version. Of yes, course. of yes, course. Not the Jude Law. One. Well, he's in both. Yeah, um, so I'm just. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yes. Um, 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 the other ones um, that were four to five years. I don't know if anyone's seen that one with um, Charlotte Rampling um, and uh, Tom Courtney. Oh uh, God, hard going. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, Charlotte Rampling does again dis- amaze in the eyes. Yeah, sad, sad, sad. So Ooh. that's so that's a couple who are about to celebrate their 45th wedding that's anniversary. One of my favourite films of that year. Oh, that's hardcore. Oh, um, and uh, I'm, I'm one of the films I was going to mention. Um, Happiness, 1998. Todd yeah. Solent and the Ooh. only th- the only notes I wrote were there were horrible, truly foul, and I've, that's all I've done. So I'm going to leave that there. Um, <laughs> any other any other uh, choices for you? Uh, I, I, uh, American Beauty mm. for subject matter that would definitely be deemed as anti Valentine's. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah, I'd, I'm a bit kind of a bit on the low downer when I look at my film list. So one of the ones that I, I mentioned, I mentioned uh, off air was was Frozen um, as a positive, a positive look on this because again, um, similar to some of the things we talked about here, that starts out like, oh, this is a Disney film. We know there's a prince. She's there's a there's a there's a princess and a handsome prince. He's going to save the day. Da da da. No, that's not what happens. She saves herself. The prince is useless, in fact, evil, um, and it's about her relationship with her sister, and, and it's not about those romantic things. So in, in that respect, I think that's a good anti-Valentine film, which is not uh, a downer. My other big one was Chasing Amy. Yeah, right. I, just, uh, I had on my list. Yeah, yeah uh, oh. in my view, Kevin Smith's best film. And yes, it is. It, yeah, I yeah, agree. It, it, his real talent is his dialogue, and it's the shining point in that but it, it's um at times questionable in it's dealing with sexuality but it's such a brilliant look at it as well in a lot of ways because there's all these misunderstandings uh, that are so common and it, it it's about naivety and jealousy and a real strong love but it it's just disastrous because of that that naivety and jealousy and that quite a selfish misunderstanding as well and it's even when the, the, when the primary character believes he's trying to do right he's being utterly callous and it, it's Oh, it's impossible. <laughs> I love it, and it makes me laugh, but it also makes me really angry and desperate. And it's um, yeah, I love it. Fantastic. Um, I would mention. I'd, I'd like to mention Ruby Sparks as well. Don't know that. Um, that's the, one of the early. Uh, I think that was kind of the first come together. Paul Paul Dano and Zoe Kazan. Mm. Um, basically, it's about. Uh, um, 
it's about him falling in love with the character basically that he creates in the novel kind of vibe oh, okay um, uh, and it's um it has the kind of it's the it, basically if you love Paul Dano in 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 Paul Dano mode which i think Lucy does yeah I think Lucy would probably be able to speak about this film better than I do, but uh, I think it works on that level of fantasy and comedy. Unfortunately, very, very well. we don't have any more time to are do so. Out? There are other shows on Brum Radio that selfishly want their airtime as well. So we have to say goodbye. I'm afraid. Um, we're going to be back, though. We're going to be back on in a two weeks' time uh, with a very special guest in the studio. Watch out for our social media, and we will announce that soon. Um, and um, we'd just like to say thank you so much, all of you, uh, for listening and for all your contributions. Um, we hope you're not feeling down as a result of this. Remember, whatever your romantic situation, be positive and uh, have respect for yourself. That's what I say. Um, uh, I'm going to sign off um, with a positive piece of music, um, which is also from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, um, and it's uh, local as well. So that's going to be uh, Mr. Blue Sky by uh, Electric Light Orchestra. Before I do, Tim, would you like to say uh, a goodbye to the audience? Goodbye to you, from me, by the way. Yes, I'm an incurable romantic, and that will always be the case. Don't let those choices today make you think otherwise. Tim is... One of the soppiest people I've ever met. Yeah. Um, Lucy, um, goodbye and thank you. Yes, thank you and happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please consider joining our listener supporters. You can do this by clicking the support tab on our website or go direct to Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Brum Radio. Brum Radio shows are streamed online at the Brum Radio Mixcloud page and you can find more podcasts at brumradio.com.